got now uh, Councillor and Pastor Trevor Noel on the line who's going to talk to us about how do we deal with infidelity in relationships and obviously, as I said, would like to also expand on the topic about marriages and the dying um, marital state in, in uh, that we're seeing in terms of the rise in divorce rates and, the, and the, also the rise in people choosing to be more single rather than married. Welcome, uh, Trevor Noel. Good morning, Colossa, to you and to your cat talk listeners. Good morning. Thank you for making the time to speak to us um, this morning about such a sensitive, sensitive, sensitive talk, topic. I don't know if you got a chance to listen um, to the video clip that we played about the two individuals that were having a conversation about um, infidelity that they had experienced in the past and how uh, how the other party was hurt. And I think one thing that struck a chord for me was when she asked how many times, and she said, and he responded and said, "I wasn't counting." What a sad. What a sad, sad, sad state to have been in. Yeah, I did. I did listen to a clip. Um, it is a sad story. I think the sadder part of the story is that it's all too real for too many people um, in our culture. And so many people struggle with the reality of that sadness. Mm. Um, before we just move on, uh, uh, Pastor, um, is, is, am I correct in calling you Pastor? You are a pastor, right, Trevor Noah? I am a, I am a pastor, yes. And just, a marriage. Just call me, yeah, just call me Trevor. Okay, great. Um, um, Trevor, um, one, of the, one of the things that I just also wanted just for our listeners to also just understand before we jump into questions, just a little mm. bit about your experience as well in terms of marriage counseling and how long you've been a marriage counselor and just your experience, because I think you've got quite a lot of experience in this and are quite the relevant person to talk to us about this topic, but just for our listeners as well. Okay. Um well, just to say, firstly, I am married. At the end of March, my <laughs> wife and I will celebrate 38 years. Wow, congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> and I mean that in the context of this discussion. Um, I've been in ministry for 20-plus years. I ran my own business prior to that. Um, I, I must say up front, I'm not a specialist. I'm not qualified. I'm not a psychologist or anything. I'm simply a pastor engages with people and my particular interest and most of my time is spent in counseling families and particularly the emphasis in marriage so that's my background i'm not sure where exactly you want me to start off with and what you want me to get into that okay no that's great that's that's really that's really enough because i also i'm aware of, of, of the experience, but I just wanted also for our listeners just to also be aware that you've been uh, doing this marriage counselling for a while, and yes. Um, and really also just want to again take that opportunity, um, um, Trevor, to really um, thank you for making the time to, 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 to be part of my show, especially at such such an hour, um, because I really think this is an important, an important um, conversation to have. Um, just as a start, um, what, are the th- what are the fundamental things that you've seen that has sometimes be the cause of infidelity in marriages in particular as uh, as in relationships as well but I would say in marriages because you are a marriage counselor yeah it's a good question it's got many many branches to it but for me I think one of the key focus Colossa is um, I think we've raised a generation of people who don't understand commitment and they don't uh, know how to commit or they don't want to commit. So 
my, my humble experience shows me that people kind of get into relationships from a need point of view. And once the initial need has been met or satisfied, um, the friendship kind of ends. They want to move on to the next adrenaline rush. And there's absolutely, absolutely no understanding insight um, to what commitment is. And marriage is about, for me, marriage is about commitment, commitment to the other person. Mm. Um, thank you, Trevor. Um, we are talking to Pastor Trevor Noel um, this morning on the show. Um, we are discussing matters of, of of marriage and infidelity in relationships and how to deal with this. And I think Pastor Trevor Noel is going to give us some great advice and suggestions and, and some insights based on his experience as well. So please do call us on 021-446-0567 if you've got any questions for Pastor Noel. Or if you are too shy to ask your questions on air, you are welcome to also send us your voice notes to 072-567-1567. I know that this is a serious topic, but I also know that there's many people out there experiencing challenges in their relationships and in particular in marriages. Um, uh, Pastor, in your experience, and I know you've spoken about young people, um, lack of commitment and not going into committed relationships as we as in the past when our older yeah. generations got married. What would you say is at the core of that non-committal requirements? I know you spoke about um, there's a need, the need gets filled, and then they're next to the next adrenal. But what is the underlying? Is that very often um, there's always um, this concept that says that you become your parents' marriage. Is that true? Do you see that coming through as well? Is that also partly why the reason maybe um, we've we've come from um, divorced families as well, and therefore we are we haven't healed from that and are too scared? Uh, what are the underlying um, issues that you've seen that leads to this non-commitment? Okay, that's a good question, Clota. And um, what I see in relationships, firstly, can I just preempt my answer by saying relationships in the context of marriage is probably one of the most challenging and one of the most difficult things to pull off because marriage needs a lot of hard work and then I introduce the, the concept of commitment again and without that hard work and commitment, marriage um, stands alone it doesn't have anything to hang on mm. figuratively speaking mm. what I see is environment does impact and affect us. Uh, there's no question about that. I think um, psychology and stats have proved that. However, equally to that, many marriages um, have been all very successful, despite some of the backgrounds that the folk come from. And, and honestly, it's because they, they won't let their past dictate their future. Mm. And I think mm. a lot of people capitulate responsibility Mm, that's saying, true. I agree. Yeah, yeah. They just kind of capitulate and say, oh, well, my folks had it rough. We're going to have it rough. Um, and that's not a truth. Honestly, I've seen folks who come from really broken, uh, challenging backgrounds. And today they're happily married couples with, with families. They focus. Nothing's perfect. We're not trying to present a perfect scenario here. But they're committed and there's more happiness than there is unhappiness, as long as there is that insight and understanding. The other thing I think often is uh, personal greed. I think we live in a society where people are self-focused. It's mm -hmm. about me. It's about satisfying my needs. 
And often it's about satisfying my needs now. And those are the decisions and choices that dictate and then will impact and, and obviously implode often in terms of relationships. Mm. Um, and as a counsellor, um, just in light of the video, um, the video clip, uh, sound clip, uh, obviously we're on radio, so it's a sound clip um, that yeah. we played. Um, as a counsellor, what would you say basically constitutes infidelity? Does it only begin once the actual physical act has happened or is it broader than that? Because some people might say that even thinking about another person or fantasizing about another person is actually infidelity. And in your view as a counsellor, what, what constitutes it? Yes, I think I would err on that side. Um, I think, you know, one of the principles that, that I do teach and focus on a lot is um, once we have given birth to the thought, we are in trouble. If I can use an analogy, people can picture a wave. A wave takes time to build up, and apparently, I speak under correction, but apparently there's a split second once it is built up to speak before it actually crashes and breaks. And in that split second is when we make a decision. And those decisions can actually determine our future, our lives, our happiness or not. So I think we underestimate, Colossa, the power of our thinking and the power of our choices. If I can take a minute just to um, enlarge on, on this principle of thinking, can I, can I do that? Yes, 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 please do. We'd, I would really love to hear it, and I'm sure our listeners as well out there would love to listen. Just want to implore our listeners as well, um, uh, Trevor, to call us. Please do call us on 21 if you're too shy, because I know this is a sensitive topic, but I'm sure there's many of you out there listening who've had some pain, you've had experience. This is your opportunity. We've got someone here with us who's got experience in this, who can give you advice and, and help you. So please do participate and either send us a voice note if you're too shy to be on air on 072-567-1567 and we will keep it anonymous. That's why we've got Trevor here to be able to assist us. But yes, Trevor, you can continue and unpack that for us, please. Okay. Let's go. So the key thought is I have to take responsibility and I have to manage and control my thinking bank, which is my mind, because we are sense-based creatures. So if we take the five basic senses, sight, smell, taste, audio, and touch, every external stimuli becomes a thought. That's very important. Any and every external stimuli ends up being a thought. Once the thought is in my mind, it directly impacts on my emotional bank. Now I cannot separate thought and feelings. If I stay in that place with that thought and with that feeling, be it either negative or positive, it develops and creates what I call a belief system within me. Out of the belief system is an attitude that forms so the belief and the attitude now is linked and tied to what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. <clears throat> Excuse me. Once the belief system, Kolotsa, is in place, it determines and it automatically drives my behavior. This is very important. My difficulty and where we will work a lot with folk is to say to them, was the original thought truth-based and did it add value? Because if it didn't, I end up living out what I would call the emotional lie. 
And I think in my experience, sadly, many, many people are living <clears throat> in that space where they're living out of what, what I call the emotional life. Um, and just to, I just want to ask so I can understand, emotional mm. lie to themselves as well. Am I correct? It's not just correct, to their yes. partners, but it's to themselves as well. Correct. No, that's an internalized emotional life, which flows out of what I now believe based on what I've been thinking. Mm. So, for example, if I'm thinking negative thoughts, if I'm thinking I have a right to be attracted to somebody else, I'm in a committed relationship, You've probably got children and responsibilities, your traditional family set up. But I suddenly start thinking I have a right to be interested in another person. And I give access mm, to that I thought get and you. time I to get, you. get it now. Mm, I yeah. get you. That's very fundamental, by the way. Sure. Mm. Because it starts mm. with that right. You should realize if you've committed to someone and you've stood in front of God and everybody else and made a vow and are legally bound to the person, you shouldn't, uh, shouldn't, that's fundamental. But then other people would also argue, it's, 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 is it not about, is, is, is love not about freedom and less about um, bondage? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, we live in a society that's changing the rules of language, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's a real problem because if we have to start defining what is freedom, what is love, one of the, and I guess there are many, many definitions, but one of the definitions I use to define or describe love is love is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's an act of my will. Therefore, love would be, by necessity, intentional. And so I commit to this friendship intentionally. Mm. So I just want to say another, another thought which is very powerful in marriage is love or marriage is a commitment to friendship with my partner one day at a time. Mm. And mm. I see in society, particularly with young people, that they don't understand those concepts. And I come back to some of the opening comments I made. When people make decisions based on their feelings, when the feelings change, or when the feelings have been saturated and fully met, we end up with a problem because now we've got no a substantial foundation to continue this relationship on because the feelings have dissipated. Mm. And 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 I know, Pastor, we travel. We we're focusing a lot on the young generation as well. But I just have a question as well: um, yeah. Is it not um, true or also evident that maybe our grandparents and parents as well did have infidelity, but they stuck it through? They some some stayed through it. Whereas in in our day and age, because there's independence, there's um, um, there's opportunities for all of us. We know, uh, women are not longer dependent on men. The divorce rate is higher because we don't stick it through. Is that is that also something you're seeing? It's it's such a difficult and yet a profoundly powerful question that you've you've presented there, Colossa. Um I think history has shown that traditionally in the past people have stuck it out, if we can use that language. Mm. Um, and there would be arguments to say, and that's why I won't stick it out, because I saw what my parents went through. I saw the unhappiness that my mom or my dad had to endure. Um, but, but you're correct, history has proven that. Yet, however, I think what society or, or, or people miss today is 
we don't see and understand the impact of a broken relationship or a broken commitment or, in this, in this case, a broken marriage. And the psychological and emotional impact um, of divorce is profoundly real and runs very deep. I have seen people really get seriously hurt and broken through divorce. And in the context of divorce, I would include people who are not legally married, people who might shake up, people who have arrangements to to share their lives together, mm. and then for, what, for whatever reason they split. For me, that's a divorce. Mm. Um, that was actually going to be one of my questions, and I'm so glad you raised it because we played a clip earlier. You might not have heard it because you hadn't been on the call, or maybe you might have heard it because you were listening mm. to the radio. Played that clip yeah. uh, with the interview with Bruce Whitfield where he was talking about um, not married but living together. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you, but now you've said something to me that's profound, that says that to you, even if those people are not legally bound, the fact that they've taken that decision to commit to one another and live one and live with one another, when they separate, you see it as divorce. Because one of the things I'm seeing as a young person who's not married yet myself is that yeah. when we are not married, we opt to rather don't go the legal route because we are scared, because we're seeing what is happening around us, infidelity, number of things, financials also come into play, also cause of, of divorce rates, as you, I'm sure you've seen. Um, and as a result, then we decide, you know what, I'd rather just live with someone. And then I don't have that legal entity. But I think what you're trying to say, it's also a divorce. So the same pain applies. Legal Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. You see, what, what we don't understand is whether we believe or not in the divine plan in terms of God created humanity. The reality is when two people come together, there's a fusion or there's a connection, and it's not just physical. It, it impacts every part of our being, mental, emotional, physical, our need bank, everything. And so when that, when that friendship or that relationship ends, suddenly we're cutting across all these components of our inner beings that have actually welded or melted themselves together, and we don't know how to cope with it. And we were not designed by the original design, to go through that trauma. And so that's why the trauma becomes all the more deeper and all the more real. Mm, mm. I don't know if that, if that kind of makes sense. Mm, no, it does make sense. Um, just other, what, other, the other question I have, um, um, in your time practicing as a counselor, what would you say is the most common issue married couples approached you with? I think the big thing is people are getting bored in the relationships today, um, particularly, um, I think commerce is plundering, if I can use that word, is, mm. is, is plundering families from access to their uh, fathers, to their mothers. You were saying a little earlier that women are no longer fully reliant on men, mm. and that is, that is absolutely true. And I, as a pastor, I don't have a difficulty with that. I'm all for women progressing. I'm all for women in the workplace and all of the stuff that flows out of that. But sometimes the impact is that commerce is so demanding that families are taking second and third place. And you've got people coming home absolutely physically, mentally, Mm -hmm. emotionally exhausted, finished. Mm -hmm. And now they've got to start doing family. And here's the issue. 
we start doing family in a state of exhaustion hmm. in all the different areas, mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally. We're exhausted. And so by, by the principle of obvious, family is going to suffer. Relationships hmm. going to suffer. And that friendship will get hurt. And then what happens is people lose their focus and they look for another thing to excite them. And they go down the path of what will excite me. And sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's circumstantial and they get caught and sucked into this vortex of, I need something else to excite me because life is so demanding. They're bored, they're frustrated, they're not committed. And so they get lost into another relationship, another friendship. Mm. And and the role of social media, how do you, because sometimes I have the sense that um, I had a conversation with my friend earlier in the year about this when we were talking about, we're both single, and we were just talking about relationships and the struggle to find good people. And one of the yeah. things I was saying as an observation that I made is that social media, Instagram, whatever you might, we might want to call it, um, has made life almost frivolous in a way. And and I don't know if I'm wrong, but I, I see that spill over into relationships as well. Relationships are also starting to be a bit frivolous and not and not substantive. It's about not being with the person because you love them, but being with the person so that I can have someone to take a picture with and post it on Instagram type of thing. Are you seeing that also happening um, because of, of uh, in marriages as well, that, that social media is all of a sudden now this elephant in the room that as a married couple we must deal with as well? Wow, you've opened up, you've opened a huge field there because in, in, in many ways I feel like a little bit of a chameleon when we get into the social media <laughs> of things because, you know, it's such a profoundly powerful way of communicating mm, and it, it has is. so much good and so much value add. And yet you're absolutely right. I probably couldn't say it better than what you said it in your introductory question there. Uh, the frivolity that is created, the lack of sincerity um, there's a huge amount of um, dysfunctional, um, what is the word, uh, integrity, dysfunctional integrity on social media. Because on social media, it's so easy to create a persona mm. that you're not. Mm, yes. And, and I have seen brokenness like you cannot believe. Uh, because when the people actually meet, it's just not what they had pictured in their minds. So it's a very, very dangerous way of con- connecting with with a specific purpose of of romance insight. However, however, having said that, I've equally seen friendships that have emerged very powerfully and have added huge value. And I've officiated a number of weddings where people have met On via social, social media, media. Mm-hmm. and they're happy to that. So we come back to the fundamental principles. Uh, am I committed? Do I know the power of committing to friendship in the context of marriage? Because honestly, if we would just focus on that, we would have less hassles, challenges in my office, in the marriage counseling office, and certainly in the divorce schools. Mm. Um, we have an SMS question for you, uh, uh, Trevor. Mm. I have yes. been with my partner for five years, and we used to communicate well. Now I have lost trust um, and communication from them. I don't trust them as much as I used to. How do I try get a resolution? This is from Sam in Weinberg. 
Um, and I just want to ask our callers as well to please call us on 021-446-0567 or you can SMS us as Trevor did if you've got uh, questions and, you, uh, and, and you're too shy to come online, 31567. And please do send us your voice notes to 072-567-1567. I'll give Trevor an opportunity to answer the question. Good morning, Sam. Thank you for that question, a very profound question. Um, trust is central to any relationship working. And one of the keys, and I think it's birthed in your question, is one cannot reconstruct or reconstitute trust, broken trust, from one side only. If we're going to try and rebuild trust in a marriage or in a friendship, it has to work with both partners being committed and agreeing to the rebuilding process of trust. So if you're on your own, and I think I heard that, so forgive me if I incorrectly interpreted that, but I think I heard in the in the question that you were trying to rebuild the trust. You're going to find incredible difficulties, Sam, if you're doing it on your own. To rebuild trust, two people must acknowledge, two people must accept responsibility, two people must agree to walk in the same direction, and that, and then of course, power of forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the the glues that will rebuild trust. And I have seen marriages, Colossal, uh, I have seen marriages where trust has been broken and been betrayed and folk have come into the office, worked through their issues, taken responsibility, and they, their marriages have just grown and blossomed because they've learned their lesson. So it can be uh, remedied, but it needs two people moving in the same direction with the same level of commitment. Um, yes, um, um, thank you for that answer, uh, Trevor. Uh, we've got another one from Julia, and this is on Twitter. Julia is tweeting us. She says, the path of destruction um, is huge and affects so many people. If I want to end a relationship, do it in a proper and honorable manner. How do I go about that? Yeah, it's an often asked question. It's a sad question because inherent in the question is is desperation. And if, if there is desperation, how do you fix anything uh, with amicability? Um, I said earlier that when there's a separation of two people, it tears, it impacts um, every component of our being. We weren't designed to be torn apart. So where there's a... A, a required separation, it's it's often very painful. But just to get to the core of the question, to respect the question and give it some time, I think if the two people can come together and agree and be adults and accept each other's weaknesses, their brokenness and faults, and say, okay, so we've done this, or we've arrived at a point where we agree that we we're not going to be together anymore, but we're going to respect, mutual respect and honor each other. That can work. However, I must say, the pain still runs deep. Hmm. If a person is required on their own to initiate a breakup and wants it to be amicable, I've, I've yet to see that work in a, in a positive way. Mm. Uh, because it's only it's only flying one way. It's not flying two ways. But what happens, uh, Pastor, if you are the one who is being hurt the most, and maybe the other party who's inflicting the pain doesn't really mm. ne- necessarily want to make that change? Then obviously you are going to be the one who initiates because you just want to get out of the pain 
And so how do you, would you deal with something like that? Okay. So what you would need to do is you'd need to be, I would say you'd need to go for counseling. So mm. my first piece of advice is don't try and process this on your own. Because remember, pe- people who are struggling emotionally or are in emotional pain, um, we're not always 100% rational in our thinking because the pain becomes the driver. So the one thing is to get good, accurate, value-added counsel input. The other thing is to get to a point where if in a relationship it is destructive, there is a point where we need to say enough is enough. Mm. So even mm. even as a pastor, mm. um, although I do believe in God's word and the permanency of marriage, I have often had to advise people, I think you need to get out of this relationship because it's become destructive. Just to get back to how do we actually do it, I think the person's got to take stock. I think they've got to ask all the practical questions. If I disengage, if I leave this relationship, how will it impact me at a practical level? Where will I live? Will I still have a car to drive? Will I still have an income? Um, Will I be able to provide for the children? And all of those very practical questions become critical. If I leave, will my partner still support financially? Will they still support emotionally? Will they still want to be involved um, as a parent? Or am I going to become a single, what I call, single destitute parent? And, And my definition there is based on a parent who spends all their time on their own, taking full responsibility, and the other partner just vanishes like mm, being mm, out of a kettle. Um, uh, you raise, you know, a sad thing that happens even if there are no children, hey, um, where the marriage is one-sided and mm-hmm. there are no children. It's not about taking children, taking care of children, but the marriage is one-sided where it's one party who's doing everything, who's driving the relationship, who's putting finances yes. on the table. It's a difficult one, and yet people still stay through through that. Well, you see, people get locked up, and I come back to my um, first point about think, feel, believe, behave. If the thinking becomes, I'm locked in, I can't move, I don't have a choice, that's very destructive. That is incredibly destructive at a number of levels. If the person is able to say, my reality is, This friendship, this marriage, this uh, uh, commitment uh, to this partnership, it has changed. I'm not getting any more from my partner that which I used to get or that which I'm entitled to. That's different. We can work with that. But where the thinking is absolutely negative, then we deal with a lot more hurt, a lot more pain, a lot more devastation. Hmm. And that's what... Sorry, carry Yes, on. no, you can continue, Pastor. Well, that's where I come into the thing of, uh, I believe, honestly, I believe that society has bred a generation of people, both male and female, who don't understand commitment. And, you know, it's a crazy thing, if I can just give this overview very quickly. Hmm. Um, people get together, they don't get married, they live together, they have children, the kids grow up, the pressures of life supporting all of that, they stay together. Those kids grow up, they meet another person, and then society demands that that young couple get married or not, but that they actually are successful in developing and building a family. 
In the meantime, society hasn't actually equipped that young couple in, in many ways to be successful. And as, as a man of the church, this is where I struggle because I think the church is equally responsible there um, in, in terms of putting subconscious pressure on people. Can I, can I share a stat with you? Which mm, is quite scary. Yes, you Look, can. Yes, please do. You know, I there's think. four ways of getting married. Mm. There's the legal route, there's um, arranged marriages, there's traditional marriages, and I, I, the fourth one escapes me now. But do you know that the, the area where most divorces occur are the, is the area where marriages occur in the church, from within the church? Sure. And when you look at that and we say, why is that? They've actually said that it's because the church puts an undue pressure on people to be married mm, rather than mm, live together. Yes. And so there's this, this crazy pressure. Uh, we, we, we're into each other. We like each other. We think we love each other. We better get, we better get married. And that's often where the problem starts. I say to people... If you, if you have not had the opportunity to build and develop friendship before you go into marriage, we're going to end up with problems. Mm, mm, mm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it's true because I think what, you, what you're saying is that the passion at some point will die, not die, mm-hmm. but will start fading, and it's a friendship that's going to sustain you. Correct, yeah. Um, one question I have, and it's a bit of a sensitive one, but I think uh, I would like to ask it. But before that, I'd just like to implore our callers. Please do call us on 021 SMS us on 31567. Send us your voice notes if you're shy. I, I really, this is such a great opportunity. So much challenges facing marriages and relationships these days. Please do get in touch with us if you've got a question for Pastor Trevor on 072-567. One five six seven oh seven two five six seven one five six seven. Um, Trevor, the one thing for me, the question that I thought I'm saying is a bit sensitive, mm. is one thing I'm observing as well is um, that married people are now also as living double lives. So you will remain married, but you're actually seeing someone else outside of the home, and there's a rise now in people seeing people of the same sex outside of marriage. And that they remain married because of the pressures that you've said that I will be married, I'll have a family, I'll have children, but I've got this double life where I'm gay on the side or bisexual or whatever. Um, Are you seeing that as well in in your experience? Sadly, I have to say, yes, I am seeing that more and more. Um, It it is a very sad thing because if I can just um, say this quickly as a, as a, as an intro to answering your question, my definition of marriage is 100% commitment to people towards each other. Mm. So if there's infidelity of any sort, even if someone is messing around with pornography, you've in- introduced into that friendship That's betrayal. That mm. You've introduced into that friendship a- another person, a-, a third party. Um, therefore, trust will be affected and i don't know if you <laughs> i don't know if you're aware of this but you know we often say women have got a sixth sense mm. and, and we mm. kind of structure about it but i believe that is absolutely true and i believe god has given them a, a sixth sense mm. and often women will pick up they will pick up something's wrong in this friendship something has changed the dynamics have changed so i am seeing more and more um 
equality in relationships. And for me, that has introduced, at that point, you've introduced the principle of divorce because mm. you have separated yourself from commitment to the one person. So that's the one point. In terms of a person in a marriage in, um, engaging in infidelity, but with another person of the same sex, yeah, it's happening a lot, a lot, a lot. Sure. And it's confused mindsets. I'm not sure if, if we can go here, but you know, our, our gender is, is defined or expressed, that's the better word, through our sexuality. So when we are expressing ourselves sexually, we're actually demonstrating or express, expressing either our femininity mm. or our masculinity. Mm. And where there's a confusion there, there's going to be all sorts of other issues. And if you've got those other issues introduced into what appears to be a marriage, the level of hurt and, and dysfunction is so much greater. And there I must reference, reference the children. I'm finding now young people will phone me mm. and say to me, Pastor, I need you to help me with my parents. Oh, my word. I, uh, I kid you not. Sure. Um, can I just invite callers just on that note? Because I think that's mm. such a fundamental um, problem that you raised and I'm surprised that you actually even confirmed because for me it's just an observation like I said I'm not married and mm. it's just an observation of what I'm seeing so call us uh, um, listeners uh, please do call us on 021 446 SMS us on 31567 uh, call, uh, send us your voice notes on 072-567-1567 072-567-1567 we're having a serious conversation here and one of the things uh um, I touched on and 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 Pastor confirmed it is with regards to marriages and people who are still married but at the same time have a double life where they are seeing outside of the marriage a person who is of the same sex or or and uh, yeah so if you have experienced that or have any questions or anything please do call us or send us voice notes you can continue Pastor okay so this is such a sensitive subject um, we're very very keenly aware of, of the folk who struggle uh, in these areas but the reality is we've got to deal with it and, and I've said previously that the church I think has been in default by kind of being the ostrich with their head in the sand scenario but expecting people to do things right so let's, let's try and deal with it um, where a person is making a decision so rephrase, where a person is in a committed relationship, whether they're married or partner, they're in a committed relationship, there's a level of expectation on the other side of the other person, and they start engaging in an extra uh, external relationship, particularly with a person of the same sex. What they're doing is they're introducing major confusion into their own personal identity. That decision takes them into a place of emotional and and um, mental neurological confusion. I don't know if you know this, but um, our sexuality affects the neuro neurological pathways in our brain. And for example, they tell us that uh, pornography of all the addictions is probably one of the most profoundly powerful addictions because it has the ability to change, to adjust the, the pathways, the neurological pathways in our brain, which control 
uh, who we are essentially. Sure. And so if I start thinking, I'll come back to that thing again. If I start thinking that I want to be with another guy and I start uh, feeling that and I start believing that, that drives my behavior. I will act on that. Once I've done that, I have surrendered the right to clarity in terms of my own identity. Mm-hmm. And I live in a confused state. That's profound. And then I will make decisions based on confusion into the future. And it affects every aspect of who I am and everyone who is connected to me. Mm. Um, in closing, Pastor, I just have one last question that I'd like to ask mm. with regards to infidelity. Um, yes. Have you seen, um, this is obviously, it, this act comes with a major loss in trust in the partner who committed the act. Have you yes. seen people that have taken steps to, to rebuild the trust and what kind of steps can be taken to rebuild this trust? For any of our listeners who have been in such a situation, who have either committed the infidelity or have been in that fidelity, I think it would be nice just to share what kind of steps can be taken to start rebuilding this trust, especially after infidelity. It's a bit we're running out of time because I think for me the one thing that touched me was when you spoke about the children that actually start calling you to help with their parents that it's really becoming to that point that is yeah yeah, that is sad but if you can maybe just answer that question around the steps to be taken to rebuild trust and then also just want to invite our our listeners because we're running out of time to do give us a call on 021-446-0567 sms us 31567 send us your voice notes 0725671567 because we're running out of time and we'll soon be letting trevor know trevor noel pastor trevor noel go so if you want to have ask a question this is your last opportunity if you can just answer that question for us pastor okay close so that's a very powerful question i think good question to to end the discussion on so let me try and be practical so so there's um, infidelity identified in the relationship doesn't matter who's the the um, person who's committed the infidelity. Um, first step: the person who has committed the infidelity, who's broken trust, must take responsibility. They must acknowledge what they've done. Then you will find that the couple will come together, and they will see either a psychologist, or a counsellor, or a pastor. Matters not. Then what I do is I will separate, the, I will have one joint session and I will listen not only to the words that the couple speak, but I will get a sense of the emotions, of the feeling, the background of what they're trying to express. Often I hear more in what is not said than what is actually spoken out in the session. Mm. So then I would let both people speak. We make some practical rules there. When they come into counselling, they're not allowed to discuss the issues at home because it just ends up in an argument. The stuff that they bring into the counselling environment um, is kept in the counselling environment. The next step would be to see the couple individually for one or two sessions. And there what we want to look at is we want to see if the infidelity was caused. Can I give a hypothetical example? Man and woman are married. Marriage responsibilities, life responsibilities have overtaken them. They get into what I call bad patterns of behavior. Okay, we're creatures of habit and we form bad habits in our marriage. So we stop being friends. We stop communicating. We stop looking at each other. We stop being intimate. 
Many people, and here's another subject, many people engage in sex, but they don't encounter intimacy. And there's a huge difference between those two. Um, we've got to evaluate that. And often I find men will say to me, okay, I'm wrong, I've, I've done it, blah, 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 blah. But my, my wife switched off. And my wife was not available. And I had to have my needs met somewhere else. And nowadays, it's ha- do you know nowadays that more and more third-party relationships are being initiated by women, not men? It's a fascinating piece of information there. Sure, that's yeah. But, that is that is that is that is uh, really shocking yeah. and sad. And and it's all based, I believe, on need or unmet or unfulfilled needs in people. Mm. We are fundamentally relational beings, and in relational, we have those relational. There are instinctive relational needs must be met. Mm. Getting back to the practical things. Then we would set some practical goals in place for each of the people to follow through on. We would give exercises. We would ask them to take responsibility, to practice certain things. And slowly, step by step, we would rebuild the trust factor. And we are running out of time. I'm sorry. Really very sensitive and serious topic. Uh, If you can wrap up for me, please. Okay, commitment, trust, honesty, um, and a desire just to be your friend because I happen to love you and care about you and want the best for you. If we can practice those things, um, essentially we'll have good marriages, not perfect marriages. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Pastor. It was really amazing to have you on the show. Uh, yeah, I wish I had more time to talk to you. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.